Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to White Goat Radio here at the Yiddish Book Center. I'm Emma Morgenstern, and I'm here today with Aaron Lansky. First of all, welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Emma. You know what the trouble is? We, we, we only have these conversations like every month or every six weeks, yeah. and so much is going on here that it's going to end up being a, either a really long conversation or a really fast one, but let, yes. we might as well jump right in. So, <laughs> I think yeah. we're aiming for fast today. <laughs> All so. right, fast. I'll regalachas on one foot. Here we go. Okay, great. Um, so the first thing is that the past couple of months, actually, uh, downstairs in the education part of the building, I've seen a bunch of the fellows at their computers spending uh, day and night, as it were, working on the Discovery Gallery, and that has finally opened. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, it, that? It, it is. Uh, it's great. It's everything we hoped it would be. We took a really big space upstairs. It's actually where our bookstore used to be. Then we moved the bookstore to a new space closer to the main entrance, and we took this very large room. We made it over into the uh, Lee and Alfred Hutt Discovery Gallery, and it's featuring essentially ethnographic work. Uh, Hankus Netsky curated that part of the exhibit, and it features three remarkable, uh, what, what do we anthropologists call them, native informants, you know, people who <laughs> really have cool stories to tell. And Hank is, is a wonderful listener, and he managed to get all that information and put into very lively form. So they're interactive exhibits, and I know exactly how interactive they are because they're, I, what do you call those? I, uh, iPads. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I. <laughs> iPads all over the place and things happening. And mm-hmm. then Krista Whitney, who of course is the head of the Wexler Oral History Project, uh, put together a wonderful exhibit based on that as well with the most extraordinary uh, high-definition television set playing loops of some of the most interesting people that have gone through the studio here. And so the whole thing is just beautiful. It's designed by Roger Westerman, and it, it, it looks great. And it's, if you haven't been here recently, meaning in the last two weeks, come on up because it's worth the trip. All right, great. And so on the same day the Discovery Gallery opened, we also had the installation of a pretty cool sculpture, if I do say so myself. Uh, we had an interview on this series already with Simon Kogan and Lee Hutt, but can you tell me just a one-sentence uh, description of that yeah, sculpture? Yeah, actually, the installation took a whole day. This was the dedication, which, right, took, right. About, which <laughs> took about two minutes. <laughs> we had a great big schmatter over the whole thing. We, <laughs> On this beautiful, gorgeous spring day, we pulled off the, the, uh, the veil and unveiled the sculpture, and it's beautiful. It's a sculpture, a very fanciful rendition of the word Yiddish in a single 4,000 pound piece of metal uh, as thick as the steel that went on aircraft that went on uh, battleships and uh, inscribed on both sides of it are poems by Avram Sutzkever. All right well that's that's great too that's a nice addition to our space here. Um, So even before the Discovery Gallery and the sculpture were in place we had um, the Chaim Grada weekend called Sabbath Days and Extinguished Stars, the life and work of Chaim Grada that was April 20th to 22nd so can you tell me yeah, well, How that for, was? First, Emma, i got to say you're so modest in the way you asked the question because you're the one who organized the whole thing and you did yes, such I a... Did. Per- <laughs> she's still resting up. No, you, you, you were great and it was a perfect weekend. And, uh, you know, the great thing about that, of course, was that it's been 30 years since anybody really sat down and seriously uh, examined... Uh, the work of Chaim Grader in quite that way. Uh, as people know, after after Grada died, particularly his widow was exceedingly protective of his um, 
legacy and intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And as a result, without risk of litigation, it became very difficult for anybody to say a word about Chaim Grader. And so unfortunately, we had to sort of back off as well. And so we've been waiting 30 years for that program to take place. And boy, we had plenty of pent up energy and information <laughs> and questions to go with it. And uh, Joe Berger from the New York Times showed up and spoke about his own research regarding this extraordinary uh, apartment full of all of Grada's books and papers uh, that was discovered after Mrs. Grada died and is now, uh, I guess its ownership is being contested. It's not quite sure who owns all of this stuff. But the, what we do know for certain is that there are extraordinary treasures there, and Joe spoke about that at length. Justin Camry from Smith College talked about Grada's literary legacy, and then David Fishman from uh, the Jewish Theological Seminary talked uh, in part about his own relationship with Grada as a young, when, when David was a young man, he, he was quite friendly with Grada. He used to see him regularly and shared absolutely wonderful memories of all that. We'll have to get him on at some point to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have no, to get it, him here. It was so interesting. And then spoke of, uh, about Grada in the broader historical context, both of the Musa Yeshivas from which he derived, and then, of course, the great Jewish intellectual world of Vilner in which he, he later lived. Yeah, and I was pretty amazed by the people who attended the weekend. We had a lot of Yiddish speakers who came. We had a lot of people who said, you know, I, I love Grada, but I don't know anyone else who loves Grata, so it was really nice to see all those people come together. It, it was, and it was also amazing because so much information was brought forth. For example, when Joe Berger was speaking, I think he was taking notes for the next time story at the same time <laughs> because uh, it turned out that uh, Grata's copy editor at Knopf was present. Who, who right, Mel Rosenthal. Yeah, traveled for nine hours to uh, take a train from, I forgot, up in the... In the, in the in yeah, the, near Albany, I think, Yeah, or and had Woodstock. to come all the way down to the city and then back up again, but he did it nine hours later. He he made it here, and he was amazing. Had a lot of information, and even uh, Mrs. Grada's uh, first cousin showed right. up for the occasion as well. So yeah, Dick Chaffin. Yeah. So what? What a what an event! And everybody had information and opinions, and naturally uh, to share. <laughs> and uh, it, I I loved every second of it. Great, Great. weekend. So well done, Emma. Yashikoya. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we have a lot of translation going on. A lot, or not a lot of translation per se, but a lot of initiatives related to translation. So can you just yeah, give this a would quick be update? Really fast. Yes. <laughs> so you know we had the translation conference in November. We've been working ever since to figure out. Uh, how do we train a new generation of Yiddish translators who will then go out there uh, en masse and begin translating the 98% of Yiddish literature yet to be rendered into English? Uh, so we're working on three big projects at once. Uh, the first is to develop a very robust website uh, that will provide uh, an opportunity for people to post works in progress that can then be wiki-edited. In case anybody doesn't know yet, wiki means you, you involve loads and loads of people all over the world who all come on. I think it's what Jews used to call kibitzing is now called wiki uh, <laughs> uh, input, uh, where you be able to post a document and people can, can make corrections and you can actually have loads and loads of people involved in the editing process, all, all, all pro bono, of course. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lexical database where you can find words that are not in the dictionary and you can post those words and people will bring information in and, and kind of let us know. And you'll even be able to uh, publish new works. And on top of all that, uh, there'll be the first ever truly comprehensive bibliography of everything that's ever been translated. And our, our, your fellow fellow, Sarah Israel, is, uh, is working on that as, as we speak. And there'll also be an opportunity for people to log on and say what ought to be translated. So that's the website. That's one piece of it. The second really big piece is to figure out a way to uh, get grants 
chance that we can award two translation fellows each year who will then take on a book-length work, and we'll provide each with a personal uh, one-on-one mentor to help, uh, being an experienced translator, to help a younger person through the process and therefore create a whole new cadre of, of, of Yiddish uh, uh, translators. And the last initiative has to do with publication. How do you get all this literature into the hands of new readers in a way that's affordable? Mm-hmm. One way is through using new technology, Kindle. iPads. Thank you, iPads. <laughs> there we have it. Yeah. What did you get, like 20 bucks under the table from Apple today or something? <laughs> so anyways, no, we, we, uh, iPads and, and Kindles and Nooks and all of those sort of devices, which make it really easy to distribute things quite quite widely. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to be initiating a new special translation issue of Pockentrager of our magazine once a year, an extra issue uh, devoted strictly to new uh, bilingual renderings of Yiddish literature. So loads coming up. Sebastian Schulman, who's directing the project, will be starting here in September, and we can't wait to begin. Yeah, that's great. And um, before we have the translation issue of Pock and Traeger, we actually have a new translation-themed issue of Pock and Traeger that's coming out uh, that will be in your mailboxes within the month. So Yes, and once again, lest you think that all Emma does is interview people on the radio, you should know that she's <laughs> also the managing editor of the magazine, and it's a really good issue. It's, it's, it's great. And so, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that really soon. It should be reaching you. Yeah, we have uh, an article by Larry Rosenwald who gave the keynote address at the translation conference in November, and we have a report on that conference by John Marchese. We also have an interview with some translators who won our translation grant last year, so it's going to be a full of translation uh, themes, but not full of translations. We do have one translation by Rose Waldman, though, so that that's really a great one. So yeah, look forward so to that. Li- lively issue, and it really looks great. Um, so the last part that I want to touch on is education. So oh, we have well, that can only take us an hour and a half. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. We have a big summer coming up uh, this year, just starting in just over a month. So what's happening? Well, let's see. I guess we start with the Steiner program. So people know by now this has become our flagship educational program. Started out years ago in a very utilitarian way because we needed someone to work in a 95-degree warehouse in the summer opening boxes of books, and who but college students would take on the job. But it's since evolved into this kind of preeminent educational program. Loads of applicants. We get the most brightest, most energetic, most amazing young people from all over the world, about six countries or seven countries this Something year, like I think. Something like that. Ukraine, Hungary, Poland. France, oh, not Poland. France, France. Israel. Yeah, it's from yeah. all over the place. We'll all be descending on Amherst, 18 students. Um, and they will spend three hours every morning in intensive Yiddish language classes. They'll study Jewish culture and literature in the afternoons. Yes, it's really fun. And I also was part of that program, too, a couple years ago and look forward every summer to seeing the new faces. Um, So we also have another whole crop of new faces that'll be coming in at the end of the summer. We have Great Jewish Books. Uh, It's a high school program. uh, Yeah, that's brand new for us. We've we've never done this before, but we're really excited about it. So thanks to our friend Michael Steinhardt, we are offering a uh, completely free, free of cost program for uh, 20 brilliant high school students who will be coming here again from all over the country. And I I really mean that quite literally. I think there are two from New Mexico. I mean, they're all all over the place. Uh, So these are really bright, inquisitive 
innovative young people who will come here. Uh, uh, Josh Lambert, our uh, new academic director, has put all of this together for us, and it will be a week-long immersion in modern Jewish literature. So everything will be read in English, but some will come from Yiddish, some from Hebrew, some from German and Russian, uh, quite a wide range. And uh, Sana Krasikov, the, uh, a very well-known writer, winner of the Sammy Rohr Prize, will be here as the co-teacher. And I think Allegra Goodman, the novelist, is going to be making an appearance and loads of other people. And as I say, and we're going to have picnics and uh, outings. And wow, it's all brand new for us. And uh, you should have me come back in two months, and I'll let you know how it turned out. <laughs> yes, we will do that. We'll certainly do that. Um, so we also have a bunch of programs for our 20-something cohort. So Yeah, that's new. So I'm only going to just touch on this. This is just like the, what do they call this? This is the trailer here. And then we'll talk <laughs> about this next time because it's too big to cover it all. But uh, after several years of planning, we decided to begin developing programs not only for adults, not only for college students and grad students and even high school students, but also for your age cohort, you know, people in there from essentially 20 to 30, who usually are out of college, uh, for the most part, they haven't yet joined synagogues or kind of become involved, you know, statistically at least, in organized Jewish life. And there are people at a stage of their life where even though they're really busy and they're in grad school or they're starting jobs, uh, and nonetheless, they're also at a point where they're incredibly curious and, 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 you know, really ready to throw themselves into all sorts of exciting learning. And what we realize is the best way to reach people like that is to meet them where they already are. I mean, they're already immersed in culture, right? They're going mm -hmm. to comedy clubs. They're watching movies. They're going to concerts. And reading books. <laughs> and reading books. And there are so many Jewish resonances in all of this. You know, I mean, in some way... Jews, we might be a very tiny people, but we certainly have had an outsized influence on shaping uh, Western culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, to begin connecting with that is a really exciting prospect. So these will be a series of one-week programs, each for 20 young people who again will come for free uh, to different venues all over the country. So for example, if it's a program on Jewish comedy or Jewish humor, that'll take place at some really cool comedy club somewhere in the country. And if it's something on photography, it would be at a really great photography center or on uh, a theater would take place at one of the great theater groups out in LA or somewhere. So we're putting all of this together right now. Uh, and of course, there'll be programs here at the Book Center as well. So these will be programs for young people between the ages of 20 and 30 to come for a full week and have the time of their life immersing themselves in a really substantive, solid, and incredibly exciting exploration of modern Jewish culture, and way more to follow about that next time we talk. Okay, sounds great. Um, last thing I'd like to mention is Asya Weissman, who um, will be joining us in September as the new uh head of the Yiddish Language Institute. So can you tell me a little bit about her coming on, oh, her yeah. staff? Uh, well, Asya is just, she's great. She's really wonderful. We've been dreaming of this for years to be able to hire a full-time Yiddish professor uh, on our staff who could run new Yiddish language programs. I think we talked once before, Emma, how, how among younger people, there's way more interest in, in language study per se than we've ever encountered in the past. I think for younger people now, having grown up in a much more multicultural world, they are much more inclined to want to speak other languages in order to encounter it on its own terms, and Yiddish is one of those languages. So demand's higher than it's ever been before, and we're determined to respond to all of that. So bringing Asya on is the way in which we're doing it. She is a uh, brilliant young woman. She, she uh, 
uh, Finnish Barnard in three years. She was born in Russia, by the way. Came to the United States when she was quite young, although obviously fluent in Russian as well. Uh, Finnish Barnard in three years, then went off to Harvard, studied with my teacher, with Ruth Weiss at Harvard, finished her PhD there in record time. She's been off at Indiana University working, uh, teaching Yiddish and working with the Aheim Project. She's intensely interested in issues of Yiddish pedagogy. You know, how does one go about teaching Yiddish nowadays. You know, the standard Yiddish textbook that we all use still was written in 1947, and things have changed a little bit in other ways since bit. then. So, we have iPads now. Yeah, well, actually, <laughs> it's funny you should mention the iPad in this context, <laughs> because one of the things we're doing is um, we want to develop a new Yiddish textbook. But we figured textbooks are getting a little retro already. There are other ways of doing this, and we want to develop a kind of multimedia textbook, a way mm -hmm. in which you would learn the language, but the book talks to you, and it shows you movies, and it does it has interactive elements uh, as along with explaining the grammar. Right. And so uh, it will literally be a kind of iPad Yiddish textbook, and that's one of Asya's assignments. Wow, that's great. She's also going to be developing online Yiddish courses, which will be quite great, and those will be for adults. And hopefully in a few years you'll see an ad for this in the back of the New Yorker, and people all over America will be studying Yiddish. I really mean it. This could yeah, be very, yeah. very exciting. And then, of course, she'll be teaching Yiddish in the five colleges as well. So uh, loads of Yiddish coming along as well. So in short, no matter where you look around here, the place is hopping. It's never been more exciting, and uh, it's really fun to be on and tell you about all of it. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. This has been very informative. Um, so you've been listening to White Goat Radio, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For additional interviews and conversations, please visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org audio. I'm Emma Morgenstern. Zymir stark und gesund. Be strong, be well, and tune in again soon. Mm -hmm.